I want to invite your attention again to 2 Samuel chapter 11. And as I do, I want to share with you the kind of letter that we pastors receive. Dear Pastor Pollock, I want to express how grateful I am to you for addressing the dangers of pornography from the pulpit. I once had a pastor tell me that topic is too sensitive to be brought up in church. How sad he should feel that way as Christians are not immune to the ravaging devastation this addictive garbage can create in marriage and in family relationships. I should know, as for the first years of my marriage, I watched my husband's life progressively crumble as he became more entrenched in this sexual perversion. We were not believers when we were married, but we were good people. Society would have branded us as the model couple, young, clean-cut, fit, career-oriented. We paid our taxes and we didn't do drugs. I thought our relationship was perfect, as did everyone who knew us. Then one day, while searching for something in a hall closet, I accidentally hit an object which caused literally hundreds of pornographic magazines to come tumbling down onto my head. I looked down at these images that were piled up at my feet and was in shock. Where did these X-rated magazines come from? I angrily confronted my husband, who seemed a bit embarrassed, but casually explained that it had been something he had been into since about 12 years of age and was no big deal. By the time we finished talking, I felt like some silly old fuddy-duddy who was making a big deal over something probably every red-blooded American male does anyway. But as the weeks, months, and years went by, I tried to turn my head as my spouse fell deeper into the pornography pit. The magazines got more hardcore. Videos began coming in by mail almost daily in those unmarked confidential wrappers. We were on every X-rated mailing list that existed, and daily our mailbox was filled with catalogs offering every kind of item that could satisfy one's taste for perversion. Still, hurt and upset as I was, I refused to make a scene about it and instead bought into the worldview that this was just guys being guys, and that it could eventually even enhance a marriage. But down deep, I knew if I ever really gave my spouse an ultimatum, me or the pornography, it wouldn't even be close. He would choose the pornography. I tried to appease my guilt by telling myself, well, at least he's not having an affair. But sadly, eventually, nude women on high-gloss paper weren't enough. And he did cheat on me with a real woman. My message today is a sobering message. I'm entitling The Poison of Pornography. It is for you... Whether you are male or female, it is for you whether you are married or single. It is you whether you are young or old. It is for everyone here because a pornography has permeated every corner of society. Uh, there is nowhere virtually where pornography has not gotten its tentacles into that facet of our lives. So we're thinking today about pornography and we're looking at the story of David and Bathsheba from 2 Samuel chapter 11, which Gary read to you in your hearing just a few moments ago. Now what is it that's happening in America today with pornography as we prepare to read this scripture again? Well, one thing we know is that since the Supreme Court opened the floodgates of pornography in 1972, America in just 10 short years became the porn pornographic capital of the world. 
Uh, there's, there, there's no disputing that America leads the world in pornography. In fact, uh, Tampa is one of the top cities in providing pornography nationwide. Uh, we know how that right now there are some 900 uh, explicit theaters in America today that offer exclusively pornographic fare. Uh, we know how that there are some 15,000 bookstores that offer pornographic materials exclusively. Uh, we know how that uh, every single year there are about 100 feature-length films uh, which earn about $50 million every year uh, for pornographers. It's been estimated by the uh, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention that pornography uh, is an 8 to $10 billion business. Uh, pornography is now in every facet of life. It's gone mainstream now. Telephones now have 900 services where uh, for 50 cents a minute or more one can talk to some uh, centrally titillating young woman or young man at the other end of the line. It's become a billion dollar a year business for the phone companies. Uh, now there are bookstores uh, that offer lurid materials and video stores that offer lurid materials that you can bring into your home. In fact, uh, some 300 million of those tapes and DVDs will be rented out this year alone. That's more than one for every man, woman, boy and girl. Uh, we, we know how that in America today you can't check into a motel anymore, a hotel, uh, without finding pay-per-view television programming there. And much of it uh, is obscene. Uh, you go into a convenience store and there it is. Uh, you get on uh, into an airport to, to get on board a plane and, and as you're going to the bookstore, there it is again. Uh, you go to the, the library and there it is. Indeed, the, the librarians have even fought, many of them, to keep that kind of lured material available there in the library. You go to the shopping mall and you find it all over again at places like Abercrombie and Fitch, which has a catalog which is nothing more or less than child pornography. Uh, you, you sign on to the web and what do you find? But uh, website after website, some 72,000 of them that are lurid pornographic websites. Indeed, uh, the most successful of them gets 250,000 visits a day. Did you know that 69% of all web commerce is pornographic in nature? Now, we're rather, uh, we're, we're, we're rather insulated in the church. We just assume that's something going on out there. And we needn't concern ourselves because we're not uh, of the world. We're just in the world. Well, contraire, mon frere. The reality is that even in the church, it is to be found. Uh, let me share with you some letters that I received just the last, in the last week or so. These are from church members. People who are struggling with this issue of of pornography in their own home. Dear Pastor, my husband has struggled with pornography issues for a long time now. A few years ago, he had an emotional affair, everything but actual intercourse. And just a couple of months ago, he went to a strip club after we had a fight. We are now in counseling and thankfully doing well. But it is hard for me to give the emotional love he craves due to all the lies and betrayal. Although I know that I know that where I am is emotionally okay and that God can restore what the locusts have eaten. I do fear whether my husband will do everything he can to be free of this addiction. Somebody else writes this. I know this is a major epidemic with the entry of the computer internet into virtually every home. I pray we find answers to this problem as I speak from personal experience. It is killing me emotionally. 
A parent writes this, I've heard a lot about uh, this in recent months, especially about questionable content on myspace.com and, uh, and other such sites. I'm hearing it from academy students, Belshaw's Baptist Church students, and even some of our teenage extended family members. Uh, you see, uh, pornography has even found its way into affecting Christian homes and Christian churches. And so it behooves us as a people of God to answer a real problem that real people are experiencing today. And I believe we're going to see here from the life of David why there are so many tragic consequences related to this, this terrible sin of pornography. As I introduce this message, I need to let you know, sir or madam, there is hope at the cross. As Rich just sang about, God have mercy. He needs to have mercy on all of our souls. All right. So uh, one sin is not worse than another. But some sins have greater consequences, more tragic consequences than others. And certainly pornography would fall among these. Let me just share with you some of the tragic consequences as we prepare to walk through this scripture. First of all, if you're married, it's going to have a terrible impact on your marital life. No doubt about it. Uh, over the years, I've seen more than one marital relationship torn asunder because somebody, the male or the female, allowed pornography to come into the household. Uh, it's going to uh, affect your home life. It's going to affect uh, your family. Uh, it's going to have a terrible consequence on you mentally. Uh, I, I've seen men, for example, who, who behaved around pornography like they would around heroin. It became an addiction, a high. Uh, they could no longer control themselves. They, uh, they could not command their own senses whenever pornography was involved. It, it was as if they had opened their mind and just poured in raw sewage. You know, you, you wouldn't do that at home. You wouldn't allow somebody to back up a truck and dump raw sewage on your living room carpet. And yet, somebody who allows pornography to come into their mind, that's what they're doing is they're just soiling their mind with raw sewage. And the consequences are not just this generation. Think of the next generation to come. Uh, don't listen to this bunk that says, well, pornography is just something grown-ups do. It's just a victimless crime. It doesn't harm children. Nonsense. Seventy percent of all pornography eventually falls into the hands of kids. They find it in the trash. They get it off of the Internet. Seventy percent of it. And not only that, dear friend, uh, it's been reported that 1.2 million kids are now involved in the pornographic trade or in prostitution. Uh, this is going to have a tremendous deleterious impact on the next generation. Now, lest you think that this is something recent that Hugh Hefner and Larry Flint came up with in the last generation, no. Uh, the reality is it is as recent as David and Bathsheba. It is as recent as, as Eve in the Garden of Eden when she took the fruit because it was pleasing to the eye. You, you see, there's still forbidden fruit that people take because it's pleasing to the eye and, and they're doing themselves so much harm. What are the typical causes of pornographic addiction? Well, look here in the Scripture and I believe you'll see several of them. Notice what verse 1 says again. The Bible says in the spring, the reason it says in the spring is because the roads would have been dry, it would have been easier to go to war. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab, his general, out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, that's the capital city. But David remained in Jerusalem. Now the first reason that Pornography can capture someone's mind and soul uh, is because of isolation. 
isolation. Notice what happens here. David's in his 50s. He's been through a lot of battles by now. And he thinks to himself, you know, I can sit this one out. Uh, the capital city is the last thing to fall. We've already got it besieged. I'm going to stay here in Jerusalem. It's nice this time of year. It's in the spring. I'm going to enjoy some of my city. And my, my military generals and all, they will go out. They will win the battle for me. But consequently, what happened was David was alone. He was isolated. There was no one looking over his shoulder at what he was doing. We know that because the Bible teaches us here that he was sleeping in until midday. He was in his bed. He's sleeping in until midday. He gets up out of his bed and starts walking around on the roof of his home to see what's going on. Now, he knows what's going on. You see, in the hot Judean desert... A lady might put her bath water out earlier in the day, let the water heat up, and then in the evening when it got a little bit cooler, she'd step into it so the sun's rays wouldn't be on her. And he probably knew, this is me speculating, but he probably knew what he would find. And so he goes out, and sure enough, whenever you're looking for temptation, the devil will provide it. Isolation. Uh, dear friend, David was isolated. He, he, was, he was a candidate for temptation. If you're isolated for long periods of time, you will be a candidate for temptation as well. You've got to protect yourself. If you travel a lot and you're constantly away from those you love and, and you're in motels six nights out of seven, my friend, beware. Because the devil is going to take that isolation and that loneliness and he's going to tempt you with it. Uh, if you're constantly in an office alone, nobody disturbs you, uh, your computer screen is facing away from the door, nobody can see what you're looking at, you're isolated. And the devil's going to use that in all, that, in all likelihood. Indeed, the Nielsen Research Company, they did, they did a research project using just three companies, three companies only, Apple, AT&T, and they used one other, they used uh, Microsoft, IBM, IBM. They used these three companies and they, they researched to find out how much time was wasted on pornography in the workplace. You know what they found out? In just those three companies in one month, they lost 347 days of labor because their employees were going to one website, the penthouse website. What they discovered was, well, these employees were isolated in their little cubicles. Nobody was looking at what they were looking at. Uh, there were no filtration systems in play. And so because they were isolated, they were tempted. And they succumbed to it. And so if you want to fall into a pornographic addiction, the first thing you, you'll want to do is get isolated because the devil will tempt you. The second phase is temptation. Uh, again, anytime you open yourself up and say, here, here devil, I'm a target, uh, the devil's going to shoot he, he's going he's gonna to pass by you whatever it is that trips your trigger. Uh, whatever it is that, uh, that floats your boat. And, and so uh, what was David doing? Well, David was standing here on the, on the roof of his, of his home. Verse uh, 2 says this. One evening David got up from his bed, sleeping till midday, and walked around on the roof of the palace from the roof he saw. So the devil knew he's coming out now, so the devil's going to parade a temptation before him. From the roof he saw a woman bathing. That would have been the Middle Eastern version of pornography. The woman was very beautiful. So there's the temptation. David's standing there. His home would have been a little bit higher than the others. He would have been able to see over onto the rooftops of other homes. And he watches. And now... It's one thing for the devil to tempt you, but it's another thing for you to keep looking. It's another thing for you to take the second look. You can't 
keep the devil sometimes from showing you the first look. You're on the internet one day and, and that pop-up comes up. You don't know where it came from. You hit the X, it goes away. Uh, but friend, uh, when the pop-up comes up and then you look an extra moment, that's where the sin begins. Uh, you see, it's not a sin to be tempted. All of us are, 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 are tempted. Jesus was tempted in all ways we are. And yet was found without sin. He didn't look the second time. Uh, you, dear friend, have a choice in that millisecond after the temptation is there whether or not you are going to look another moment longer. Maybe you're going out to take the trash away and you get to the street and there's your neighbor's trash and there's all kinds of dirty, filthy magazines there. Well, you've got a choice to make, sir or madam. You've got a choice. Am I going to look a moment longer or am I going to look away? There is the temptation. But the moment I start studying it, it becomes thirdly a fascination. A fascination. Well, that's what happened with David, isn't it? He was tempted, and his temptation turned into a fascination. Notice verse 3, and David sent someone to find out about her. Now, he's curious. He's looked. He didn't look away. He kept looking, and now he's curious about her. He's fascinated with her. Uh, David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, isn't this Bathsheba? And notice this. He says she's the, he, she's the daughter of Eliam and the wife, he couldn't plead ignorance, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now David knew better. David was a man after God's own heart. He knew better. And yet because he was fascinated with this woman, what does he do? Well, verse 4 tells the ugly truth. Then David sent messengers to get her. Now why is that? Oh, well, because the, the, the temptation led to fascination. But the fascination, well, eventually that led to frustration. Eventually just looking wasn't enough. And you see, really that's beyond what it does to your heart. Uh, that's the real danger here. Because looking is never enough. Eventually, sir, eventually, madam, when you look at this smut... Just looking will, will not be enough. You'll need more and more and more and more contemptuous versions of vile literature. And you'll look at things that would have embarrassed you a year before, two years before. But you find yourself uh, reading and, and studying these glossy images of all kinds of vile perversions. Because every time you do it, you need, a, need to kick the football a little bit higher. It needs to be a little bit more because the fascination, you see, the high, it doesn't last. So you've got to go to something that's more and more vile. And so soft porn doesn't last. It's got to be hard porn. And then it's got to be something even more vile or even criminal. And what happens is your fascination turns into frustration. Some of you are facing that in your own homes. Maybe it is you've succumbed to looking occasionally at Pornography it comes across your internet line. It, uh, you see it in a magazine, wherever. And what, what's happened is it's frustrated you. Uh, no longer is just looking at the images enough to get the same high you used to get. And not only are you frustrated with that, but you're frustrated with your, your spouse if you're married. Or, or your girlfriend if you're dating. Or your boyfriend. Uh, you know, you look at them and... My goodness, they're nothing like that airbrushed, computer-enhanced, perfectly lit woman I see in the magazine. And so uh, the spouse doesn't measure up any longer, and you get frustrated with that. And she or he can't understand why you're not interested in them anymore. 
frustration. Ultimately, where this all leads, you know, is criminal behavior. You just pull a cop aside, pull a sheriff's deputy aside and ask them, you know, when you go bust a rapist, or you bust some sexual criminal, a pervert of some kind, when you go and arrest them, inevitably, what do you find in their home? And they'll tell you. The most vile kinds of pornography you can imagine. In fact, 87% of child molesters admitted that they were just modeling what they'd seen in the glossy magazine. You know, it's an amazing thing, dear friend. When you allow that kind of filth into your mind, it just it takes you on a progression of upwardly uglier and uglier behavior and thoughts. Uh, in New Hampshire, they did a study... And they found out that the communities that had the highest incidence of rape and sexual crimes were those communities that had the most lax behavior toward pornography. It just polluted the whole community is what it did. And we wonder why there are today some 4 million child molesters in America. Did you know that the average child molester molests between 30 and 60 children before they're caught? 30 to 60. And that's just what they admit to. Some of them have been, have been known to have as many as 380 children before they were locked behind bars. And it's all fueled by the perversion of pornography, the poison of pornography. Now, what, is that, what does that cost all of us? Uh, if you allow yourself to fall into a pornographic addiction, what, what are the, the tragic and tremendous costs? Well, uh, let's look and see what it costs David. Do you see there in verse 4? David sent messengers to get her, that is Bathsheba. She came to him and what happened? He slept with her. He knew that she was married. She knew that he was married. Uh, and yet they committed adultery there together. So fornication is the first cost. Uh, friend, if you're single, if you read pornography, the chances are highly likely that you will fall into sexual sin before you get married. Highly likely. If you are already married, all you're doing is priming yourself for an adulterous affair. That's all, that's all you're doing. And now notice, uh, not only is there the cost of, of fornication, and the reason that happens is because your sensitivity to sin is slowly diminished. When you read that kind of material, it, it just slowly diminishes your sensitivity to how heinous of a sin, yeah, a sexual sin truly is. And so eventually, uh, what you used to consider inconceivable now is, well, not a big deal. Because you see, your sensitivity has been lowered by the images that you've seen. Uh, not only that, not only is the, the fornication issue, but I want you to see, secondly, uh, how the, there is the humiliation issue. Look at verse 5. The woman conceived... Now, this was going to be a problem because the previous verse had told us that she had purified herself from her uncleanness. That meant there was no way it could have been Uriah's child. He was gone. He was off in the battlefield. And so uh, she had conceived a child outside of wedlock, you see, uh, while her husband was away and David could not deny it. There were witnesses. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Well, now he has a problem. You know, Numbers 32, 23 says, Behold, your sin will find you out. And you may think David probably thought, you know, he could get away with it. He probably thought, well, nobody will know. 
my underlings will keep their mouths quiet. Uh, nobody will know of this sin. And maybe you thought the same thing. Nobody will bother to check the internet records. Nobody will bother to look at my MasterCard and Visa statement. Nobody will bother to follow up on me. Nobody will ever follow me or look in my office. No, nobody will look in, that, uh, in the back closet of my home where I hide things. Nobody will bother, you say to yourself. You comfort yourself that way. But beware, your sin will find you out. You see, David had a problem. This woman was pregnant. Now the word was going to get out. There were witnesses who had gone to, to, to bring her to him. And, and so David conceivably could have been sued at, the, at a minimum. Uriah could have sued him under Jewish law at that time. Uh, that would have been a scandal for the king to have been sued by a man whose wife became pregnant because the king slept with her. Uh, not only that, there was this baby. What was going to happen with the baby? Uh, uh, the, the, there was the whole issue of him being at home while his men were off fighting. You can imagine how the troops would have talked that up. And so now David was in for utter humiliation. Just as you will be if you continue in this lifestyle, friend. You think you'll get away with it, but I, I guarantee you eventually you will be humiliated. Your family will find out. Somebody you care about deeply will find out. And their respect for you, their admiration of you will take a nosedive. Then, thirdly, what happens is what we might call escalation. Escalation. Escalation is where you have to keep lying to cover the offense. And you have to lie to cover the last lie and lie to cover the lie before that. Well, that's what David did, isn't it? I mean, David had to do something. He had to cover this thing up. And so he, he sends word to the front line says, Take Uriah, put him on the front lines in battle so that he'll be massacred. In essence, was what he told him to do. And sure enough, Uriah was killed. And so uh, he had sinned once with the adultery, but that, uh, that had now had to be covered now with murder, a progressively worse sin. And on and on it would have gone, you see. Friend, escalation. Uh, your spouse or your friend may wonder why you're constantly telling little white lies. Why is it that seemingly unimportant details are you lying about? And each time you lie, you've got to lie a little bit more to, to, to cover over the last lie you told. Because you're covering the secret lifestyle. One lie just kind of builds on the next. Now, having said all of this, is there any hope? Is there any mercy that we can find? Absolutely there is. Absolutely. Uh, we believe in a God of second chances. And friend, I don't know how deeply you've fallen into this. Maybe it's just a whimsical thing. You, you do it very rarely, but you do it. Or maybe you are very deeply into pornographic addiction. And by the way, we have a wonderful ministry on Monday nights called Celebrate Recovery where you can find true lasting hope and help. Uh, because pornographic addiction is much like heroin addiction or alcohol addiction or uh, anything else. It takes the 12 steps with Jesus Christ to, to, to break free from it. But, but I want to give you some simple principles here uh, that you can use to at least take some, some good positive steps beginning today. All right? Uh, if you want to break free, if you want the true cure for pornographic addiction or reading, looking at pornogra uh, pornography, uh, it all begins, first of all, with confession. Confession. Confession meaning... I see it the way God sees it. It's sin. It's wrong. I repent of it. I turn from it. That's what confession is. 
You know, James 5.16 says to confess our sins one to another so that we can be healed. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John uh, 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. Uh, we're told over in the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 28, verse 13, that uh, if you conceal your sin, you will not prosper. Some of you wonder why it is that your life takes two steps forward, four steps back. You just can't understand why it is you're not prospering in life. Could it be, dear friend, that you're trying to conceal, cover over this sin, and consequently there so many costs that you may not even be aware of in your life. So you've got to confess it. You've got to confess it. Now what happens here in the Bible with David? Well, Nathan the prophet comes in one day and tells David a story. It's the story about a wealthy man who had many animals, cattle and such, sheep. And, and another poor old soul who was a poor man had just one little ewe lamb. One day the wealthy man was going to welcome a guest into his home and he needed to slaughter a sheep for, for the meal. And so he goes across the road over to the poor man's house and he gets that one little ewe lamb and slaughters it rather than killing one of his own. And uh, David, as he's hearing this story, says, That's in, I'm incredulous about that. That's terrible. Why, the man who did, uh, did this, he deserves death. Nathan points his grubby finger at David and said, You are that man. Notice what David does. In fact, we know that he repented. We know that he was sorrowful. Uh, we know that he grieved over his sin. Because if you read Psalm 51, that was written during this whole time of David's adultery and repentance. Uh, but notice what happens over in verse 13 of chapter 12. Verse 13 of chapter 12. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. You see what happened here? David, that man after God's own heart, admitted that he had done wrong. He confessed it. And then Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. Now does that mean it never happened? No. There was still a baby out there who eventually was going to die because of David's sin. Uh, there were still consequences to the sin, but... In the eyes of God, it was forgiven. The slate was wiped clean. Uh, you are not going to die, but because by doing this you have made the enemies of the Lord show utter contempt, the son born to you will die. And so David confesses it. There are still consequences, but he gets on the road to recovery here by confessing it first. And then secondly, if you confess it, secondly you've got to cease it. Cessation is number two. Cessation. That's where you go cold turkey. Friend, don't think there's a nicotine patch for, for pornographic addiction. You don't ease down from pornographic addiction. You stop it cold turkey. That means after church today, you go home and you tear up all of the DVDs. You unthread, unspool all of the videotapes. You, you burn the magazines. You, you go out into your car and get uh, sexually suggestive music and, and throw it away and destroy it before you do so so that somebody else doesn't get hold of it. But you do that because you want to go cold turkey. You've got to cease it and desist. Stop. Immediately. And so there is confession, then cessation. Uh, one of the ways that we know that David truly repented was he didn't do it again. And, and one of the ways you'll know that you've truly repented, truly confessed, is that you won't do it again, you see. Uh, your, your lifestyle will change. And then, 
thirdly. After we cease, uh, then thirdly comes prevention. Prevention. You've got you've to build some boundaries now in your life to protect you from falling into this same sin again. That means removing triggers from your life. That means, uh, that means removing uh, those temptations that might cause you to stumble again. And you may. But you're going to be smart and remove those things from your life. Maybe it is for you that no longer do you travel alone. Or if you do travel alone, the first thing you do is you go to the front desk and you say, I want you to turn off pay-per-view in my room. And then you take a bedspread from the extra bed and you just put it over the TV set. Or, or you take a picture of your wife and kids and put it right there on top of the TV set. Uh, maybe it is you get filtration software on your computer. Or better yet, turn your computer so that everybody in your household sees it. In our household, for example, we have filtering software, but we also have uh, a service that, that our Internet provider provides where uh, whatever the kids look at, whatever they see, mommy and daddy get an email. And we know. I know every website my kids have gone to. I know how long they were there. I know who they chatted with online. I know uh, what IMing they did. It's all posted there for mommy and daddy to see. And, and you can do that same kind of thing for yourself. Uh, there are now internet services where uh, you can uh, identify a friend in this church and say, look, I'm struggling in this area of my life. I want you to be my accountability partner. Everything I look at on the internet, I want you to know an email is going to be sent to you and it will tell you what I've seen and how long I saw it. And so you can hold one another accountable that way. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, says Proverbs 27:17. And so you, you, you sharpen each other by holding uh, one another accountable. And then, if I could give you any advice today, it would be this, finally. If you want to break free from pornographic addiction, find salvation. Now, do safe people sometimes fall into pornographic addiction? Absolutely. Sure they do. Uh, we are prone to fall into all kinds of sin. But what I'm saying to you is if you're lost and you're trying to break free of pornographic addiction, it's going to be very difficult without the chain breaker, Jesus Christ. You, you see, he who is free in Christ is free indeed. And, and I would encourage you today, if you don't know Jesus, to come to know him as Savior. Jesus came to break the bondage, not only of death, but, but of hell and the grave. And today, dear friend, if you'll receive him as Savior and Lord, uh, you can know a freedom unlike you've ever experienced. But some of you are a lot like the, the snake. The snake that slithered into a birdcage one day and saw that tasty morsel of a canary and swallowed the canary. And because the canary was so big in his throat, he couldn't get free again. Some of you are just like that with this pornographic addiction. My friend, today you can be set free from the hungers, the lusts that have imprisoned you. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Lord, you, can, you save us. You, you have an ability, Lord, to free us from addictions, from poisonous things that harm us. And Lord, I pray right now that you would move in a mighty way in this room. And that God, those who are wrestling with this addiction or others, Lord, would find freedom in Christ. I pray it in Jesus' name. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Dear friend, if you don't know Christ as Savior, I want to talk to you first. 
whether or not pornography is your sin. And in all likelihood, it's not. Most people don't wrestle with this one. But I want to talk to you if you, if you don't have a relationship with Christ. Would you be willing, dear friend, just to pray right now and receive Him as Savior? You can just pray this way. Dear God, I confess that I am a sinner and I want to change. Lord, today I confess my sin. I turn from my sin. And I receive You as Savior and Master of my life. I believe You died for me on the cross and arose again the third day. And today I joyfully receive You as Savior. It's in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer, don't be embarrassed because the sermon today was on pornography. Don't think anyone is going to think that's your sin. There will be others, I'm sure, who need to come and pray at this altar and that's not their sin either. So if you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to come in just a moment when our ministers are standing here at the front. Maybe it is you need to join our church. You just sense that God is leading you to unite with Belshaw's Baptist Church. Why don't you come forward? Maybe you just want to come and pray. Or take the hand of a minister and say, Hey, you know, I'm dealing with another completely different issue in my life, but I wonder if you'd pray with me over this. I'm going to pray a short prayer when I'm done. We're going to stand, we're going to sing, and we're going to be waiting for you to come with whatever decision God has laid on your heart. Heavenly Father, use these moments to touch people's lives and move them to action. I pray it through your Holy Spirit. Amen. Will you stand? Clean hands, give us your.